0: Om. 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 Oh honestly Hi unbalanced. guys, welcome to episode forty of Honesty Unbalanced. So this week we're talking to a really interesting guy called Leo Kasondai, who is a Gong Master. And Leo is changing the way that people interact with sound all over the world. He has presented sound meditation to over a million people with the help of his app, which is called Third Ear. And he's featured on lots of TV appearances and in loads of press, including the Sunday Times, Forbes, Vice, Huffington Post, Daily Mail, and loads more. This was such an interesting episode. We talked about healing practices for the nervous system through sound, the science and benefits of sound healing of course, uh, how Leo used to experience panic attacks and how he actually managed to eradicate those through sound, uh, the nature of burnout, uh, the evolution of stress in the modern world and so many more interesting topics. We loved this episode and Leo is such a lovely guy so we hope you enjoy it too. Also, guys, just going to do a little shameless plug. My debut single has been released. It's called Moment with the Sun. And you can find it on all of the music platforms, so Spotify, iTunes, etc. I would so appreciate it if you could go and give it a little listen on Spotify. You might like to add it to one of your playlists. It's perfect for yoga and shavasana. And feel free to get in touch with me and let me know what you think. I love feedback. Thanks so much. and I dared not look away. I somehow knew I
1: needed to be brave. The golden circle turned into a purple haze. Help me to remember. In, 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 in your postcode, what do your neighbors think of you and your sound? I am- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I your gongs. You've got gongs. What other instruments do you have in the house that you play?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, there's a, there's a guitar, but that's not particularly exotic. There's a piano, same thing. Uh, What could be, I mean, the conch shell certainly uh, has turned me into an overnight sensation. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And it it came, it came to use when we were applauding for the, um,
0: The NHS. Ah. Oh, that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all my students to do it as well. So it was like the conscious were being heard throughout London, across London.
0: <laughs> oh my God, how innovative. I
1: mean, <laughs> the, the, the gong is quite a loud, is a loud instrument, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah. do, you, do you practice it at home? Because you do. there is a real skill to it, isn't there?
2: Well, it's interesting. I mean, and you came to uh, one of my sound baths, I remember. So it's like you kind of have to experience it to describe describe it and Mm. even then you can't describe it I think especially not with words but uh I think practice you want to practice everything in life and Mm. as long as there's soul to your practice and you're doing it for the you know because your heart wants to do it then I think it's an essential um, essential thing to do on a daily basis and also it makes you feel amazing I mean Mm. I remember when I first got my gong like I I was on it like two hours a day just I think it was kind of a a lifesaver at that point and uh and now I wouldn't say I played two hours a day, never, but I always try and squeeze in, you know, a good five, ten because it just makes me feel good and then Sarah likes it. Mm.
0: So can you tell us how you came to find sound healing then? How how it started the journey for you? Yeah,
1: you said lifesaver yeah, at exactly. some point there.
2: Yeah, I mean that might be maybe that's too strong of a word, but I I do think that it's definitely hmm. it's definitely shifted my life around, I would say. So you could say there's different there's many starts to, um, to my journey but if i go way back and far enough i would think that it started with my parents being being pretty open to to traveling across asia and being involved with the dalai lama in switzerland oh, wow. and uh but then me having panic attacks you know at the age of 10 and for most of that decade mm. so which you perhaps wouldn't expect from a, from a Swiss kid, you know, where you know you got the cows and <laughs> the chocolate and, yeah. and everything is, is peaceful there, everybody's neutral. But anyway, yeah, um, I don't know where I got it and how I developed it, but I did. And it was obviously undiagnosed, um, you know. Mm. So I, this is something that I carried with me for a long time before sharing it with, with anyone. And, and therefore there was a lot of pain involved not physical pain but mental pain and i tried different things i mean i remember obviously i got into music heavily and i was always singing along in the car Mm. you know even before i got the panic attacks but i think just to cut this short so we don't spend too long on this and we don't dwell on on the negative i would say that panic attacks got me into music and music eventually got me to london so I moved to London and I um, I met my wife and my wife took me to my first sound bath. Aww. Oh,
0: how sweet. So I, that's kind
2: of like the the clear timeline, you know. The yeah. Simple that's how I got into it, basically. Wow. And did you notice that it
1: immediately had an effect on like, your state of being?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that first experience was incredible. And I wouldn't say I was like, I wasn't, skeptical but i wouldn't say i was all over it before getting to that first session i was a little bit like okay i'll do it i'm willing to try anything but i wasn't sold um but that first session certainly sold it to me uh did it heal my nervous system in one sound bath no i think i'm still still healing Mm. that sound that that nervous system and I, i think i always will sarah says to me that you know my vulnerable point is my nervous system and it always will and I think she's got a point she's not saying it in a negative way but Mm -hmm. she's like we all have our vulnerabilities on the terrain and on the terroir you say in France and I think uh, I think for me it's the nervous system but what I can what I can say is you know I haven't had panic attacks and it's uh, it's without medication as well so I've through sound and through other things as well, because I think discovering sound that opened my mind to doing other things as well. So I think it's a, it's a combination of habits and routines and actions and inactions mm. that have taken me to uh, to a state where I'm, I'm you know I'm functioning well, but that doesn't mean that I don't have my ups and downs, of course.
0: Mm, that's incredible. I always think that you're you're kind of given these things in life as part of your as part of what makes you and part of your story and part of your reason for being here and helping other people along the path. Do you think any of that's true?
2: I don't know. I'd like to think so. I think that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Adam? <laughs> what do you
2: think, Adam? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what? For me,
1: I don't necessarily believe in meant to be and that you are here to do something per se. I believe that due to genetics and upbringing, we all have unique talents. And gifts whatever you know, whatever they are and hopefully at some point we can find something in our life that brings value to the world around us and that could be i was in this this sounds ott but i i did a walk across spain called the camino de santiago mm. and i walked from basically the edge of france to santiago and of course in the process of doing that alone And I was reading like Paolo Cajello. I was very like influential as I was maybe like a 21-year-old. With
0: your marla beads and your man bun. Very
1: floaty at that point. And I was was watching a man on the square just in front of Santiago Cathedral. And he was the the cleaner, the cleaning guy who was keeping this square clean. And just watching how he did it and how conscientious and careful he was. He was an old guy. And I just, I had this feeling that everyone has a reason to be here Mm. and whatever you do you can do it to the best of your ability and you can do it with care and attention and love and at that point i was always thinking actually and we shouldn't look down on someone because they are a cleaner or you see them as having a lesser job or a less skilled job as you i think everyone has their thing and as long as you're doing it with love and care and conscientiousness uh wonderful and you have some kind of satisfaction out of it Uh, but i don't think there is a, a meant to be per se as if there is a an all-powerful God that has decided our path,
0: <laughs> and this is why we do the podcast together. Different opinions. <laughs> yeah, I think it's
2: really important to surround yourself with people who disagree with you or see the world differently, and uh, and perhaps don't do enough of that. Actually,
1: but mm. you've got to a point now where you're doing a lot of. This is very non-linear. The conversation, you know, you're doing your sound journeys, very successful sound journeys or sound healings to corporates. Uh, many years ago, I would imagine that you know, corporates, businesses would be like, what on earth is this? We're not going to do this. None of our lawyers would have any desire to go to a sound bath. Have you noticed a shift in people being willing to try things or how have you persuaded people to give it a go?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think I have the answer, but my assumption is the world has always been changing. It's always been evolving. And I think... We go through cycles, and I think we're currently in the middle of, or perhaps at the beginning of a cycle where people are just, and they can't explain why, but they are drawn to certain things and they are repulsed perhaps by others. And I think really we kind of know that the kind of stress that people were under maybe in the 18th century is very different today. And it's not to say that it's worse today, I don't mm. necessarily think so, but it's evolved. It, there are different strains of stress. And how can I say, in a way, we haven't been exposed to mass stress or challenge for a long time. And I'm kind of making a reference to COVID here. And I think you look back at those people who were born, you know, 1903 and who experienced First World War, Mm. Spanish flu, uh, the Great Recession, Mm. Second World War. And you think, whilst you know, a lot of them just made it, they made it out alive i guess and they they made it happen and i think those people were extremely resilient so i think people are drawn to practices or experiences that induce a feeling of connection perhaps or feeling well or feeling in touch with one's body and feeling i think we all feel things differently and we don't know what we're feeling exactly but we are drawn to to, to having, having a relationship, I think, with our body and our mind in a way that we weren't. But perhaps we have been in the past, but maybe it was 50 years ago, maybe it was 500 years ago, I don't know. Uh, mm. But yeah.
1: That's interesting what you said there about the types of stresses we have. As you said, the 1904 baby, I guess would have had stresses that in some way, in some loose way, are natural. As in, there were people fighting in wars, there is illness. There are stresses that perhaps a human body and human mind are developed enough to cope with. Whereas a lot of the stresses we have now, we, you know, whether it be social media or working 24-7, uh, the demands of technology, they're definitely not worse stresses, but perhaps they're stresses that we are, as human beings, just less equipped to be able to process and deal with. And they're very, A lot of the stresses are very disconnected from mm. human experience.
2: I, I think, yeah, that's spot on. I agree with you, Adam. And I think... I could be wrong, but I certainly feel that if we propel ourselves, you know, 50 years ahead, I think people will be very much resilient to those strains of stress. But I think we're kind of we're amongst the generations having to learn to deal with it in a way, and it's kind of a new beast. It's a it's a new world in many ways, and I think technology has made has accelerated the pace mm. uh, of evolution. Is it in the right ways at the right speed? Who knows, I guess we'll find out, but um, mm.
0: yeah. It's an exciting time, I think, to be in the wellness world and to be helping the world move mm-hmm. along and helping people to deal with stress, um, to be that person that people can come to to feel a little bit more relaxed and take the stress away. Even as you say, they don't quite know why they're coming. You're just being the anchor for people to just connect back to themselves. And speaking of connection, how have you found because obviously you did your amazing gong baths um, in real person. There's nothing like real real life, you know, sound healing. So how have you found it taking it all online? Do you feel like any connection has been lost or the opposite?
2: That's well, a great question. I think, to be honest, I don't know if I'm the most positioned person to answer this question. But I'm going to give you my, my perspective on, on the experience that I've had in the past mm. 11 months. And that is... And i was i was fortunate enough to um to be teaching people to do what i do to facilitate sound baths yeah. i have like over 60 students that I, i've been dealing with in the past year and i guess i didn't have to deal with the general public as much as other people
0: mm.
2: so i was dealing with people who were wanting to train and it was like a long-term involvement and investment in changing their career and changing the way they organize their, their life and go about life. So in a way, teaching online, yeah, it's been different, but actually it's been really good because people didn't have to travel, they yeah. could stay at home, they could there was a different pace to things. And in a way, I think we can make the most out of technology. Now if you ask me whether sound is the same on Zoom as it is uh at Trioga or in DABA or, you know, any venue I've I've worked from no it's not but I think it's it's going to evolve it's going to change and I imagine that in 10 years maybe less uh, you'll be able to have some pretty mind-blowing experiences uh, at home I could be wrong but I, I imagine that's where it's going
0: yeah kind of has to go that way doesn't it well, Just- I
2: mean I think it's good to have both I think people want they're going to be craving the human touch, and yeah. I think human touch and human interaction is, is never going to get lost and it shouldn't, but I think we'll probably have both, but it's just not quite good enough yet. If, if you're expecting what you had in person, it's not yeah, good enough. Totally. If you're coming with an open mind, um, I've, I've heard great feedback from people. You know, if you use like certain plugins to avoid the compression yes. of sound, because Google Hangouts, Zoom, all of those, they compress it. Yes, oh, I know. If you can bypass that, which you can, it's actually pretty good. As long as the connection is good on both ends and you've got a good set of speakers or headphones, it can take you back to the room. And if you've never been in that room, it can take you somewhere that you've never been Mm. anyway. So I would say if you're out there listening and you can attend to a sound bath, um you'd be surprised as to what you can experience from the comfort of your home.
0: And I think what you said was key, have an open mind, because I think if you have the mindset where you're focusing in on all of the little blips and the technical errors, that is all you're going to hear for the whole sound journey. And But then if you really just kind of relax into it and embrace it all, then you're going to have a much better experience, in my experience.
2: Also, it's, it's not just about uh, relaxation. I think there's... Mm. Uh, There's a lot to be said about this idea that meditation is there to relax us and unwind, and I think it can, but my personal goal, to kind of make a reference to the nervous system, which we uh, discussed maybe five minutes ago, I, I really want to strengthen my own nervous system, and I want to help people who want to do the same thing, and I believe that sound especially like if you listen to gongs they're not exactly
0: relaxing just,
2: they're not really sweet <laughs> no, they're not
1: <laughs> they remind me of dinosaurs he always takes me back to like jurassic park
0: back when you lived that's, in the dinosaur that's a age that's the feeling
1: i get when i hear a gong really not not for the first time if i haven't <laughs> heard a gong in a while it's a, it's almost like a, i'm entering jurassic park for the first time
2: Interesting. okay so one serious <laughs> thing and one funny thing <laughs> uh, the funny thing is that they've used giant, giant gongs. One which I now have um, acquired uh, has been used to create a soundtrack of Star Wars when you have the, uh, is it the Death Star? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yes. So they, they used that in the score the musical school so, and it's funny because I, I obviously i you know i've done bath for, for kind of toddlers and children and they say it's oh it's like
0: Star being in the sea
2: or it's like being in space and it's ah. like yeah. And, <laughs> uh, yeah wow
1: so i have the i have the mind view of a small child when <laughs> <laughs> and did you say and that's that... a
2: good thing you're lucky thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think when you see the world through the lens of a child i think you, you just see opportunities and possibilities
0: you know totally that I love I think yeah I think it's important to talk about that actually the fact that I think a lot of people come into meditation and sound healing especially thinking it's going to be a really relaxing experience and often that's how people will will kind of draw you in in a way like come and relax and you know it's about wellness etc but it's it can be really intense and it can draw up to the surface all of the things that you actually need to look at inside of yourself to heal so actually you you can have a really non-relaxing experience as well right Absolutely. Yeah. What is the uh, the
1: science? Because of course, on your training, you know, so someone might imagine, let's say, someone who's never come across sound journeying before, like what's so complex about it? You just a gong and you just stroke it and bang it, etc. Uh, and you, and then might think, what you do a training on that? What on earth could that training be? So, can you can you speak a little bit about the science behind mm-hmm. it and what the kind of things you might cover in a training like that?
2: Well, I think there perhaps two separate questions even though we do a lot of we dive quite deep into the science of, of sound and what sound is what music is and and obviously the hearing system and all the relationship between the different nerves but um, if maybe I'll, I'll start with the uh the training itself i think obviously uh, i'm biased because it's my own training but i know that You can't just pick up a gong Mm. and and go and facilitate for people who've had trauma or you're experiencing trauma in the present it's just not ethical Mm. it's not right Uh, but having said that it's not to say that you can't be gifted as you said adam you were talking about being gifted perhaps um as an individual when you're born in in one domain or another I'm, i'm not gonna say that you can't have someone who has it has great ease in working with a, a specific instrument, whether it's guitar or gong, I don't care. I think that's very possible. And you could talk about sports. I mean, you know, so, so I think some people pick something up and they they, they just get it. Mm. And I see that in, in my students, uh, you know, we all learn at different speeds. Does it mean that because you learn very quickly, you're going to last in the long term? Not necessarily. Um, personally, I'm a slow learner, but I just I just don't stop. Mm-hmm. I never yeah. give up. And I think that pays off. Yeah. In terms of training, I think if you're going to need a 200-hour or more to teach yoga, you need the same thing for sound. And that's why I wanted to raise the standard before moving out of the UK is to really create a community of people who've, you know, it's Put in the work, put in the hours and I make them work so hard on the training, like they curse me and they're not always very happy <laughs> with me. But I think it's so important because you come out of this and you, you know, you've know you had experiences already with corporations and charities and, and you've had it hard in the practice room. So then when it's match and it's game day, you kind of, yeah, you're always going to be wondering whether you could have done better and whether people got what they needed but that's good that means you care you're doubting yourself and you should Mm. but that's why i did the training is to really have like this strong community of skilled ethical professional people who are doing that and Mm. really because i think sound is going to be massive i think sound is just at the beginning of an exponential curve
0: absolutely it is
2: and then a little bit about the science (laughs) the science okay of course the science
0: man the science. <laughs> put on the hat come on the science
2: uh, well i'm not a scientist i uh, you know i did a levels maybe in chemistry and biology but I didn't, take very far. didn't take them very far at all but um that's why i have uh, i have i'm working with um, two three actually three neuroscientists one from italy one from germany anyone from France and they are part of the teaching faculty on the mm. training and they would um, perhaps do a better job at addressing it. But maybe just in a few words from from my understanding and my experience as well is that sound can promote the production of nitric oxide. And I'm a big fan of this mm. um, because I, I, I like to work my, my voice. I like to use my voice for myself at home, but also... Uh, during the sound baths, and I also love tuning forks, and both the voice and the tuning forks help the body in creating, producing nitric oxide, which basically uh, you could say it enlarges, it widens your uh, your veins and your arteries, and it promotes immune immune activity in a, in a healthy way. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't. blood pressure, and how does it work exactly? I can't quite explain it, but it's basically through um, through vibration. So, like, if you apply a tuning fork to the root of your nose and between your brows, it will create it will create nitric oxide in your nasal cavity, in all those cavities. Ah. How exactly, I don't quite understand, but it's to do with the skeleton and the stem cells and basically the nervous system. So there's mm-hmm. like all sorts of communication chains and triggers that happen when vibration is applied to the body from an external point of view like a tuning fork or even a bong that's Mm. relatively close or your own voice so like if you hum Mm. you are doing two things your your body is producing nitric oxide which is good for your heart and like i said everything like that and also it turns your vagus nerve and you know, like I said, I'm all about this nervous system, and I think my favorite player in the team is the vagus nerve, and <laughs> we don't talk enough about it, but basically everything that I do and teach, it revolves around the vagus nerve, even though it's it's mostly sound, uh, it's the vagus nerve, and it touches to all your organs, I'm sure you guys know about it, it's just, it's a, just an amazing healer. <laughs>
0: So you said that you use your voice in your sound healings. Do do you mean your singing voice or just speaking or humming, all of it?
2: That's a great question, actually. I think depending on how you talk and how you utter a word and the intention behind it and the frequency that you bring to it, I think a word can be very healing. However, so yeah, I mean, yoga nidra is great for that. But I would say I'm more talking of overtoning. So oh, okay. yep. basically creating one bass note. Yeah. It doesn't have to be low. When I say bass, it's like a fundamental note, frequency, if you like. And then you shape the acoustic space in your mouth so that you reveal all the frequencies that make up that one fundamental note. So it's a little bit like the, um, uh, the prism in in class that you would have done it in school right you shine white light through the prism and you get the rainbow it's exactly the same thing and I've just had like I was saying guys before we started recording I've just had a beautiful basil and mozzarella <laughs> salad but let me try and just do a little bit of
0: oh yes please of
2: overtoning so I can demonstrate it so fundamental note of your choice Ooh. That's the fundamental note. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of vibrato there, but it doesn't matter. It didn't have to have that. And then if you reveal the harmonics, the frequencies that make up that one note <clears throat>
1: Wow, um, you are good at that. so
0: cool. I've heard if one
1: or two people do that before, but you are the most competent.
2: <laughs> I ha- so it doesn't translate necessarily well in the Zoom microphone, please uh, forgive me, but uh, <laughs> that creates nitric oxide, and I, I know, because science shows it. Do, do I understand exactly how it happens? Mm. I would have to look into the articles but it, it probably is explained somewhere but it's
1: um, it's, it's, it's some some of these things they just so will be forever hard to really prove much like we don't really understand why cats purr we know it kind of has some kind of soothing effect on them mm-hmm. we don't really know why despite there being countless studies but i guess the sounds that you describe in that release must be relatively similar in a, in a sense to cat purring
2: yeah. So cat purring, I think is 30 Hertz and it's really good for arthritis. And, and basically it's all about the body communicating with itself and sound facilitates that conversation mm. and depending on the sound, depending on the individual, the place, the time, you know, there's a release of different, uh, basically neurotransmitters. So when the vagus nerve is stimulated through the sound of a gong or a tuning fork or a voice, there's a cascade of reactions that unfold, mm. right? And one of them is like the vagus nerve when it gets activated through sound, but you can also activate it through cold water, uh, through uh, retention of the breath, really slowing down the breath to maybe two or one breath a minute. Uh, it, it then it basically produces neurotransmitters, and it, it puts that into your blood flow, basically, and that will then trigger your gland, your glands, so your glandular system. So actually, it is explained, but sometimes mm. I think. I've hard to to find my words because English is not my first language but uh, basically yeah it it releases different neurotransmitters like Mm. endorphins um, sometimes even DMT molecules Mm. in uh, synaptic gap Uh, it affects the whole brain basically the whole nervous system Mm. Uh,
1: um, I I had no idea
2: that nitric oxide was involved
1: so much I had a little giggle when you first said it because I used to take nitric oxide (laughs) As a twenty-one year old bodybuilder. <laughs> like, I forget what it did. It, I know I remember it gave me heart it's palpitation because I took so much of it. It was but I, it's a thing that people take, I believe. Uh, to what yeah, to what as you say, to widen blood vessels and to get more blood flowing to get to give you a bigger pump, as it were. So I guess it can be used irresponsibly, but in uh, in, in big quantities. Mm. And it's interesting what you said with uh, the cold water therapy as well. And that you know that stimulates that kind of affects vagus nerve.
2: I think you Absolutely. need you need, yeah. to,
1: you need to do a combo with like Wim Hof. Like you you should head down <laughs> and like people kind of in an ice bath. where you play a gong next to them and see see how they feel he after? He has a
2: gong and he plays the guitar. He's a cool dude. But I'll tell I'll tell you what. I mean, I love stacking things, and so I love to combine. Like if I'm at home. Uh, I'll put my app on third ear and I'll have like a good speaker on the floor so the vibrations are spread into the air but also into the ground. And on top of that, I might have like um, part of my head and I mean, it looks really crazy, right? Hmm. My wife thinks it's absolutely insane, but I'll have like my head in a bucket of really cold water. (laughs) I'll have the Juve red light that that I use that does infrared. Uh, I'll be on the, um, what is it called? It's like an acupressure mat. Mm -hmm. Mm. I just basically try and stack as many things as I can to to trigger my nervous system my vagus nerve basically into strengthening um, my parasympathetic activity basically
0: do you think it's possible to overdose on sound
2: so you know there's those things called gong pujas where you do like an all-night gong bath yes I was going
0: to ask you about this yeah
2: so I think it's this, this, this a cool concept, but personally, I think that sleep is too precious. <laughs> you not sleep when you're in, group, in a group with, like, even 20 or more people and there's gongs being worked for, like, 12 hours. It's more of a, a trippy experience. Yeah. But I would prefer to do that during the day. Like, I would be happy to do an eight-hour gong puja during the day, like, between, I don't know, like, 10 and 6. I think that would be much more beneficial and also fasting so you don't do lunch maybe you have a light dinner afterwards but i think all night gong bath not sure i've done it i'm, I'm just not sure I think you just feel the lack of sleep the next day more than mm. day. That's
0: such a, such a sensible answer. I love that because we, we're obsessed with sleep as well. <laughs> have you ex- yeah.
1: have you experienced anyone or yourself having an, a negative effect after sound? You have, like Holly, at some point.
0: I wouldn't call it negative. I've had people obviously come up to me, you know, in distress, but I don't think that's an, always a or, negative Or you
1: yourself sometimes. Thing.
0: I, I personally sometimes feel really open and like I've been turned inside out, but that I think needs it just I just need to ground afterwards and I sometimes forget to ground myself but I think like you said Leo it's so much about the intention that you bring isn't it Mm. um and also I think what you're doing is so great having your trainings because I have also had people say to me, I went to a gong bath before and this lady was just banging the gong and she was wailing at the same time. And they've they've, (laughs) they've actually come out and thrown up afterwards. And and a couple of different people said it about the same person. I'm pretty sure she didn't have a training. (laughs) I've gone off track here. What are we talking about?
2: (laughs) I think we're talking about overdosing on on sound. Yes. I I guess technically, yes. You could overdose on anything, including wheatgrass and spirit. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can do it on sound as well. But uh, I haven't known anyone who has, and I haven't myself. But uh, if you're going to do like an eight-hour, 12-hour sound bath, try and do it during the day. That's what I would say. And then a bad experience. I don't know. I don't think you said bad experiences, but tough experiences, challenging experiences. So if I speak for myself, yeah, I think – I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. Mm. I think the bad that people can describe is actually really good. But like I said, our nervous system is so fried for most people to different levels. Mine was extremely fried even when mm. I was 10, unfortunately. But uh, we are fried and therefore our resilience is pretty low. And like I said, a, a sound bath, a proper sound bath can reveal, can help things bubble up. And yeah. that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah I've had sound baths that were done properly where... I felt like I couldn't be still. And I felt like I had ants kind of underneath my skin and it was a real battle to stay in there and maybe I shouldn't have stayed in there, but I think I'm alive and I stayed in there. So it's fine. Survived. <laughs> so, so I think it's the question and I've had people as a facilitator, you know, I've, I've done over 2000 of them and I've had every year I've had, I'd say at least five to 10 people who left, mm. um, and they might have said to someone, "Oh, I went to Leo's sound bath and it was really bad." And may- maybe it was for them. I think I can't deny that tr- their truth. That's their truth. Mm. Uh, at least their experience. And then they might change because I've also had people who, <laughs> you know, used to come and then they didn't come for three months and felt like they maybe didn't like the last one. Mm. And they came back and they said it was uh, I was just too much for me to handle. And you know, but now I'm back. <laughs> <It's taken. laughs> wants to digest it yeah and, and that's cool so i think it's really important to not take things personally totally. as long as you're as long as you're doing things from a good place of heart and intention yeah there might be some mishaps you know it, it, it happens As
1: an unrelated question <laughs> have you ever tried or <clears throat> explored flotation tanks oh, and so incorporating good. sound yeah. within that
2: yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, floatation tanks. And um, I think, yeah, Floatworks would be my person in London. They have a few studios. I love it. And I'm also a big fan of um, Richard Feynman, the physicist. And mm. he he used to, a great autobiography, actually. Uh, it's called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. Mm. <laughs> and I really recommend it, even if you don't like physics, because you will love the idea of physics once you've read his I think
1: multiple guests on Tim Ferriss have actually recommended that I think I think in his uh tribe of mentors book he refers to it as like many many people have talked about that that particular book
2: I love Tim Ferriss yeah. also but obviously Richard Feynman is a beast of, of his own and anyway he makes several references to uh, to flotation tanks and out of body experiences so um, without necessarily diving into out-of-body experiences because I don't think I'm an expert and I think uh, an OBE could look different depending on the individual but uh combining the two well, yeah, I mean I, I told you I love hacking things so mm. we looked at uh, placing sounds, playing certain sounds uh, into the pods, and we're you know we're looking at it, but it's uh, you know the speakers have to be right and I mm. so the speakers are up to scratch yet, but I think if they redesign them with better speakers in maybe five years then absolutely however <laughs> i think that it also makes sense to be in total sensory deprivation when you're in a tank mm,
0: yeah that's a good point and going back a little bit to your journey um i know you said you suffered with anxiety and panic attacks so but you've come so so far since then so was it a struggle to kind of get yourself out there as such and and do all the amazing collaborations that you're doing and you know build your app um despite the fact that you were suffering with these panic attacks and anxiety was it difficult or once you found sound you were just on a path and you were just led and guided and you just went for it how was it building yourself up
2: yeah it's going to sound corny but it was the latter i think um yeah i didn't have I guess I was fortunate or maybe I was spared or maybe I spared myself, but I didn't have panic attacks whilst, um, whilst facilitating sound baths and creating the app. So the last decade has been in a way kind to me, but it's, I would say, you know, it had its hardships. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think I, I'm not sure. You know, I didn't go and see a doctor or psychiatrist, but I did. I think I did experience burnout. yeah from doing so many sound baths week after week after week and because there was so much in demand I could see that people really benefited from it and I felt like I was happy doing it I did too much and I really pushed myself so I burnt out and uh, I'm trying to teach that to my students as well because there's going to be massive demand for this once we come out of
0: yes whatever that is
1: how was leading uh, your first sound journey what was that experience like? I always say sound journey because that's all it is. There's
0: so many different names for uh, it, yeah, though, aren't there? The sound sort of bath.
1: Thing. How was how was leading your first one? What was that experience like?
2: I like sound journey. Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was it? Well, I think the first one, luckily, because I was very nervous and I, I still get nervous, I think, because I care. Yeah. But, uh, the, the first one was just me at the end of a class, of a yoga class. So I was kind of like gong guest Mm
0: -hmm. which
2: is nice because you know i used to take the class and i would feel super chilled and i could feel the energy flowing through my body um having done all this breath work and asana and and i would just do 10 15 minutes of sound um just holding the gong with my hand that's basically how i started guys I, i used to i basically contacted every yoga teacher i could find in london and offered them my sound services some said no some said yes And, uh, and I would just go and do the class and then do five to 15 minutes of sound at the end. And therefore I think that really, that was actually a really good time. I I really, I really enjoyed it partly because the focus wasn't on me at all. Mm. Nobody knew who was that guy. And I'm not saying that people knew who I am now. It's not at all, but I'm just saying it, it wasn't. I was holding you know, I was doing my thing and I was being careful and mindful and but yeah, it was nice to be part of someone's class and yeah. just do the end with the sound. I really loved that actually. Mm. So thank you for reminding me of
0: that. Oh, that's lovely. What I really love about what what we do is no one looks at you. <laughs> Everyone's lying down and with their eyes closed and you could, I, I don't know about you, Leo, but I just find, I mean, I, I still get nervous like you because I sing a lot and I always get nervous before I sing but with no one looking at you you can just drop into the moment a lot more and be a lot more present, I find anyway I don't know if you feel like that
2: Beautiful, yeah, it makes it makes total sense Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, every facilitator will, uh, will have its, its you know, like its challenges uh, yeah. on the journey to facilitating but... Uh, yeah, I think just to summarize, I would say it, if you're nervous, it means you care it means that's a wonderful thing. Mm. And I think more importantly, what's important is the experience of the attendee. And, and, I, I mean, yes, it's nice not that nobody's looking at you, but what is really nice is that people are lying down and therefore they're actually single tasking for once in their life. They're just mm. listening. Yeah, and they're having a synesthetic experience. You know, I think really the the senses are coming alive and dancing together in the room, and you don't see it, but maybe if we had metaphysical glasses, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah,
2: I can't ignore a
1: name drop from earlier, the Dalai Lama. So was your, was your childhood in some sense spiritual? Can you talk a little bit about the Dalai Lama being involved in your childhood? Oh no, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he was—he was. Your parents organized something for him. What was it? What was the story there? There was
2: yeah, a... well, so my dad draws cartoons. Uh, has been since he was uh, in his twenties or even his teens, I think. And he was involved with um, a journalist from Le Temps, I think, a newspaper in France, and another of my school's friends. Father who was an explorer who came from a family of explorers Wow and uh, they you know Switzerland did did their share I'm sure other countries did too but I think Switzerland did did great in helping um, the government of Tibet and the Swiss government would would enlist certain people to help and my dad was was one of them so it's not like uh, we had the dilemma for breakfast you know, <laughs> eggs <laughs> and bacon <laughs> But i think there was a fascination in my family um you know there was the, there was definitely uh how can i say maybe a thirst for for what the east had to offer mm. and i'm sure there was a lot of naiveness in, in that search and a lot of mistakes but uh, it's it's funny like i wonder if maybe a seed was planted
0: mm. and eventually
2: i kind of got around to uh, to the tree who
0: knows? Mm, lovely.
2: And did you spend
1: time in in the east?
2: I did. Uh, I just did a gut test, and uh, Sarah said to me, "Yeah, I mean, the amount of times you've, you've travelled, I wouldn't be surprised if you have like a, t- a twenty metre worm." <laughs> <laughs> oh no!
1: And the, and the results? Do we do? Are we, uh, can, we, can we can we can we share the results?
2: Well, I've got to wait for a month, but if you want, we can do a second episode. On
0: that.
2: Take two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. His name is Oliver. He's my pet now, and he, lo- he
0: loves soundbox. So I just He's grown with the sound. I know he's growing. <laughs> what about looking forward, Leo? What's in the future for you? What's do you have? Do you have goals, or you, do you just go with the flow? What's your vision of the future? Hmm.
2: I think, so obviously I have the app that's that we keep on improving and, and it's evolving and it's a living thing of its its own.
0: And what's it called, uh, sorry, just for the listener?
2: It's called Third Ear. Third Ear. Uh, which actually, just to make a reference, because you asked me a question and I realized I didn't fully answer it when it was about the training. And I think more, yes, I teach how to handle the instruments and that takes a, just a lot of hours. But I think what the... The reason why the training is 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 powerful is because we work on having experiences together as a group that open up your your third ear, and obviously that's a very woo-woo kind of thing to say. But I think there is something to be said about listening to things and hearing things in a different way. Yes, and I think that's that's what my students learn, Uh, and they that's the the dearest, the most important thing they get out of the training is like this opening of the third ear where you just next time you hear an toothbr- electric toothbrush on airplane you just don't you just don't hear it the same way um mm. because you hear the harmonics and you understand the sound of silence as well you understand that the, the weight the power mm. the potency of silence um so yeah i think the app is, is is kind of its own entity and we're feeding it what it wants and what it's you know what people who are using it want what else do we have the audiobook as well that i did with harper collins that's um seven days of sound meditation yeah um i'm going to continue training people so i'm I'm starting an online training in april that lasts until december so that i can share those teachings with people from all over the world i'm quite excited wow and then i applied i spent the last 15 months applying for an eb1 visa which is the green card is the hardest visa to get in the world and They gave me three criterions, which is what you need. But sadly, uh, the officer that was designated in my case didn't didn't quite understand what sound bathing or sound journeying was. (laughs) I don't blame blame him or her, I don't know. But uh, unfortunately, my plans uh, are having to shift a little bit, but maybe it's fortunately rather than unfortunately.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, What else? But I don't think I'm going to stay in London for very long at all. So I'm definitely being called to uh, go somewhere else. That's definitely a a calling, a plan. Mm. And then I um, have uh, reconnected with a friend of mine, and we're writing a lot of songs. Um, we've written 60 songs oh, wow. in wow. We're writing like, every day, and I think that I will probably be sharing sound as a musician rather than a, a sound meditation feature in the future. I think that's my vision that I'm putting out there into mm. the cosmos. cosmos if you're hearing me <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so exciting
2: yeah it feels good and it feels right as well especially mm. with this community that I'm building like it's for me it's the right thing and uh, if one day I can somehow Manifest a giant sound bath at Wembley Stadium. That would be amazing.
0: Just put it out there. <laughs> That's it. Just saying. Are just you listening? Saying. Get your gong out. Put it into it. <laughs> Testing one two
2: three. <laughs> Dong.
1: <And laughs> what is your strategy to managing all of these things? You've got a lot on your plate that demands you to both be present one to one, plus I guess like to some degree passive income like the app, etc. How do you manage your time?
2: Yeah, I don't think I'm doing a good job at that. <laughs> um, and I, I and I think um, – and I'm telling that to my student as well. I'm, I'm, and I think what helps me is to try and manage my energy instead. Yeah. Mm. Instead of managing my time, I manage my energy. Do I do a good job at managing my energy? I still – I don't think I'm great at it. But I think having having a sense of when I'm good at what and when I'm not good at what is – very important. So I have to be aware of time, but it's not about how many minutes. It's like, is it nighttime? And what does nighttime equate to for Leo mm. in 2021? Yeah. I think for me, that's really important. It's also realizing that I, I guess you change, but I think knowing yourself as you're changing and updating that knowledge helps because I know that after 6 p.m., I'm kind of useless at most things. <laughs> I can be super creative and, and kind of. You know do some drawing or writing or thinking outside the box and i do that uh but the hard stuff like i know when i need to do it and i think that helps mm. so so i guess it's it's and it's also prioritizing like it's so easy to tick boxes on simple tasks but when is your prime time and are you making use of it mm. uh, that That is the question I keep asking myself, like, what is the hardest but most efficient thing that I can do first? And that's something I got from Tim Ferriss. I like uh, that. That's nice. And is there, is there something that I can do that would tick 10 boxes, one task that would tick several boxes or even better make them irrelevant? Like, what is the one thing that I could do that would make everything else irrelevant? Mm. That is something that really uh, energetically
0: turns me on. I think there's a book as well called something like Eat the Frog which is about doing the hard thing first. Just get the hard thing done. I think that's what it's called. Everyone's just gone silent. <laughs> Thank you. Let's Thank move you. on Thank from you. that. <laughs> <laughs> Go and read the book. <laughs> no, certainly. I've read
1: uh, efficiency books and what they do, they, they say highlight the one thing that is non-negotiable that you have to get done today mm. and kind of lead with that if you can. Mm. We're going to move on to some quick fire questions now.
0: They don't need to be
1: super quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any daily non-negotiables for you? Like on that theme, Are there anything that you, for you, you have to do each day?
2: Yeah. Uh, training my nervous system for sure. Like there's one thing I can't miss. I mean, obviously sleep would be, that's, that's mm. more non-negotiable. So mm-hmm. one thing that I could, yeah.
0: yeah. And what, and if you could just choose one tool, what would it be to help your nervous system? One of those practices?
2: God, that's hard, but I guess it, it. Well, the gong involves different tools because you have a mallet and a stand. So if it's really strictly one thing, I'll tell you what. I'm going to be a little, a bit of a smart ass there, mm-hmm. and and say that the voice is 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 not a tool because it's part of your body. <laughs> so I'm going to have my voice and a fat. Gone. <laughs> yeah, perfect. perfect. You should have. You could. You could have just said your app.
1: That would have been perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That's good. <laughs> okay, Holly. No, go no. On. I was talking okay, to you. No, go. Okay. So, are there any habits that you're like new habits that you're cultivating or old habits that you're trying to get rid of?
2: Mm. Yeah, I have a sweet tooth. Unfortunately, and I don't respond well to sugar, so. And I think that I have had. I was keto for some of the lock, first lockdown, and then this autumn it all went downhill. So I'm eating really well, thanks to uh, to, to Sarah, because she's just like she's a, a fairy and she's like a making fairy. healthy things. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, which is I think quite rare on this planet. Mm. But um, okay, so I think I, I don't like even if I drink a lot of water I don't hydrate well but I don't feel the need to drink so I think bad habit is yeah like I'm probably tempted to have like a treat I'm tempted to you know not drink because I don't think about it what else
0: if you were Uh, if you were going to have one sweet treat then what would it be because I've got a massive sweet tooth as well so let's talk about that
2: (laughs) okay and uh okay then it will have to be there's no kick back there, but it's from Gale's <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's that um, blueberry kind of...
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean.
2: ...frame. It's kind of like, in, in French you say, it's like a salé sucré. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, that blueberry kind of brioche that has a cream in it. Oh my that's God. incredible. And it's got some uh, crumble on it as well. It's amazing. Gale's.
0: It's just, yeah. ma- it's just magic.
2: It's Everything? a chain shame, oh. and I'm surprised that they're doing that they're doing it feels like it's just one bakery. That's maybe. so
0: true. That's have you tried anyway. have you tried the granola? We should not go down this route, should we? But the <laughs> granola is so good as well. <laughs> I'll try it. I haven't tried it, but you you are getting me back into sugar. I'm here. sorry. But it's right. like the I, devil on your shoulder. <laughs> I'll interfere, <laughs> 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 quick. I'll interject. <laughs>
1: right then. Right. So next question. Are there any particular podcasts or even books you've read, even books, should we read books, or, books even or even podcasts, podcasts. <laughs> that you've yeah. uh, listen, listened to or read recently that you think other people should probably listen to as well?
2: Podcast. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Like, one podcast that I don't really enjoy that everybody seems to love is the Joe Rogan podcast. I didn't, I'm not so keen on it. Like, I really I think the questions are really like he has some amazing guests and I, I just wish like oh no we should ask these questions i mean maybe i'm just being selfish and-
1: it's it's a funny you know, i get what you mean because he's not an expert really on anything but fighting fighting mm. and comedy are, are his expertise i guess his popularity has come from the fact he just feels like the average person just asking questions mm. and kind of asking some of the kind of questions that average joe blogs might ask and it's a funny one so in terms of yeah i think he's had some wonderful guests and actually the conversation would be so much better if there was another expert in the room asking questions and he does do that sometimes
0: there is a great one that adam got me into actually no, something else anyway it's a guy called matthew walker and if you're into sleep you would have heard of him leo i'm sure matthew walker and joe rogan did a podcast with him and it was brilliant so maybe you haven't listened to the right episode check that one out
2: yeah, <laughs> I'll
0: check it out. yeah. I
1: think <laughs> it's it's a it's a funny it's a funny one. But I think what that kind of podcast is wonderful for, and this comes down to marketing and awareness, is you know if you if we were well Holly's kind of an expert, but let's say you wanted to get sound healing out there more, speaking to another sound healing expert on their podcast, you're kind of preaching to the choir to mm. some degree. Whereas if you can get someone who is an, an ex fighter chatting about sound healing yeah it's not going to most ask the most intelligent questions that are deep but will open more people to that world yeah and then eventually true. of course they will might listen to the podcast where you're being interviewed by by someone else so i guess that's a, and, that, and that's the thing is we all have to to some degree lower not a lower our standards that's the wrong word but put ourselves out there in situations we're not necessarily always comfortable with to to spread the word I've you know at at the start doing I was doing headstands in a shop window at Lululemon (laughs) just to bring some awareness to yoga you know I was like some kind of someone like in the wind in the window in Amsterdam like semi-naked in (laughs) Lululemon shop under a blue light Uh, but I guess that's what pulls people in and then once they're in then you have that deeper discussion
2: absolutely I think it's I think it's a great podcast but I was just thinking yeah yeah I I like so for instance tell you what i like i guess tim Ferriss would
0: be yeah brilliant. wonderful yeah he's brilliant isn't he
2: I, I, I just resonate with how he thinks i think and mm. uh, yeah so definitely not to diss joe rogan's podcast i think he's got a he's got a place in this world yeah. and obviously a big one uh book it's always hard to think of like i Interestingly enough, I give you two books. Number one is maybe uh, "Green Lights" by Matthew McConaughey. I thought that was actually pretty good. Oh, Who's what's he's, he's written a book.
0: Didn't know yeah. that.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really good. Was a lot of a lot of wisdom in there. Okay. Uh, and it just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel rehashed kind of re-chewed yeah. stuff that he's read. It just it feels quite authentic. So I I really enjoyed that. And then I read a book. It's quite a yes, yeah, 300 pages of bono the singer being interviewed by one of his journalist friends from france mm. uh, who they've had like a, a friendship over maybe several decades i would say and therefore that's really interesting because it's like a, you know it's not your usual interview because mm. the, in- the interviewer really knows what he's talking mm. about uh, but he's also unbiased like he's very neutral and bono is actually j- just quite interesting and profound. I mean, interesting is a, a dull word, but he's profound, and he says some really interesting things, which you can apply to sound bathing and mindset and the arts, and that's what I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when the truth is, is this, it's a full truth. You can apply it. You can put a dress, can put jeans on it, and it works.
0: Mm, love that.
1: It's Matthew McConaughey. I'm I'm right. Like, the guy that the book is about him he, him traveling on the road and actually he spent a lot of time on the road just living as a normal person whilst also being a Hollywood actor. Or have I made it up?
2: Not so much. I mean, it does cover his first 50 years. It's obviously like some kind of memoir autobiography. Mm. It's, I'd say it's really, it, yeah, it's really like his story from age zero to 50 and the thoughts that he collected, the realizations, the lessons that he was taught uh, what he learnt from different people picked up from different people uh, over those five decades mm. so it's basically packed with with, yeah potent realisations I would say. Mm. Oh, we'll have to look at that I'm
0: going to ask uh, one last question before we move on what would you say is the best thing you've learnt about yourself this last year Leo?
2: That I've still got a lot of work
0: to do <laughs> love, love that that's brilliant
1: <laughs> and what would you like us to tell people about you or your website your app just remind us the instagram
2: well people can experience high quality sound baths that i've recorded uh, in a really cool studio in um Harsden where pulp the band recorded some of uh their oh, work. Really? Oh, well. <laughs> great microphones one of them was also used not that particular one but the same model was used by jim Morrison uh just great microphones we used like 3d several d dimension kind of microphones so i recommend the app because i use it and my sister designed the whole thing and she's she's just amazing and she also uses it every day and i think if we're using our own product i think it's a a good way for people to know know that it's it's got something so yeah Third Air, which you can find on the Apple and Google App Stores. Yep. T-H-I-R-D-E-A-R. And then my audiobook, Seven Days of Sound Meditation, which you can find on Audible and maybe Apple Books and those kind of platforms. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, any events and teacher trainings, you can find me on um, my website, leo.cozander.com or Instagram, leo.cozander. And and that's it i might do a retreat in the sahara desert but i think it'll have to be next year oh my gosh wow I'm, I'm... and one in turkey as well uh, it's the uh, six senses the, the resort the wellness resort and uh i guess that's it and then when i publish music i'll i'll let everybody know I'm Take
0: <laughs> amazing thank you so thank much you, for your Leo. time
2: that was great fun that was like a really lovely 60 minute session on friday honestly unbalanced